How much money do you make? Oh, uh, what has this got to do with it? Well, your salary. How much does a police inspector get paid? Uh, you know, I... Enough to buy your wife a $10,000 mink coat? No, of course not. You're aware that your wife spent $7,000 at the Yves Saint Laurent only last month? What? And two months before that, $4,000? It's impossible. We know for a fact that your wife has spent at least $30,000 on clothes during the past year. Sir, my wife is very frugal. She saves out of the housekeeping money. $30,000 out of the housekeeping money. Yeah, we've been married for 10 years. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Polish Presents Pictures Powwow. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm the other host, Bartek. How early? Hello, Bartek. How are you? How early am I? Very, and I'm good. And you're late. <laughs> no, it's it's on it's time. Like three but, minutes to the time. But mentally, we were meant to start. you're late. Yes. All the time. Yes. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Wait, I that's wish... early. Sorry. Happy 2018. There you go. So you're late to pick up the joke he was trying to do there. <laughs> So, Bartek, we are spitting Polish, likingly, because we are always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish, isn't that correct? Correct. Say that in Polish. To prawda. Is that correct? That's, that's right. Oh, that's right, there is no just word for correct. There might be. Ah, the light flickered and the audience doesn't know, but I had to mention it for archival purposes. (laughs) Fuck off. The light flickered because (laughs) it wanted you to say it in Polish. (laughs) It's also the coldest day of the year. Oh, yeah. As we record, it's a nice 38 degrees of cold. Yeah, Fahrenheit. So, Bartek, mm-hmm. Pictures Power Hour is our weekly show in which we talk about movies that have come recommended. This week, we're covering an episode, for, uh, for the episode, we're covering a movie you picked and recommended. I did pick it, yes. What movie? We are covering 1963's The Pink Panther. The Pink Panther? The one and only. So the one with Steve Martin? The one and only without Steve Martin. Oh, the ones without Peter Sellers, because there are a few without him as well. No, this one has Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers? Piotr Sellers. Piotr Sellers? Uh, oh, yeah, good. So we are covering the 1963 Peter Sellers classic, the Blake OG. Edwards classic. Well, there was a... We'll get into it. There's there's a whole history with the Pink Panther movies. I think Clouseau appeared in another movie, but he wasn't played by Peter Sellers. It's all weird and confusing. Like before? I think. Okay. If I'm remembering right, I could be misinter- misremembering different police, uh, different detectives in movies. But, Bartek, we're going to be getting in-depth on this. So, do you think the listening people who haven't seen the Pink Panther should probably watch it? I think they should, maybe. Not the Steve Martin one, the the sixty three one, the nineteen sixty three one. I'm not gonna stop you. You from can watch the one with Beyonce in it if you want, but that's Pink Panther two. Oh, I remember, Boogaloo. I remember one of them had a Bollywood actress in it. Of course, I'll take your word. You're the Bollywood expert. Mm. So Bartek, why did you pick this nineteen sixty three Bollywood classic, The Pink Panther? <laughs> There was a musical number in it, there, so it there qualifies. Was, and it wasn't in English. And there were maybe Indian people? I don't know. It was a very questionable, looks like white people with some brown on. There were that British Indian accents right at the beginning. They did. Yeah. That were overdubbed. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people overdubbed, like a big show. So about 10 years ago, I'd seen the film for the first time, 10 or 11 years ago, and I remember really liking it, but I hadn't checked it out in a while. So I basically recommended it on a basis of, oh, I remember liking that. Let's revisit it and also talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So that's your history with it. What about the Pink Panther franchise in general? And before you answer, were you one of these people who saw the original movies before the Steve Martin ones or the other way around? I think I might have seen a cartoon when I was younger first. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the Steve Martin one and then I saw this one. Ah, okay. And what about the rest of the Peter Sellers ones? Have you seen any of them? Any I've of them? only seen this one and A Shot in the Dark, which I believe is the second one. Yep, that's a follow-up one. Yep. A pretty good one, too. It was good. Uh, I think, I don't know. I don't know what the fan base of the Pink Panther is, but I think that's considered to be the better, best one. I know, I know. No. That I watched it because our friend Reese really recommended it to me. He really liked the film. So mm. I, I assume if he represents the world, then that's true. Yeah. 
I, of course, have seen the Pink Panther that we're talking about um, many a times over the years. I have seen the Pink Panther, f- you know, movies, the original set. I think I've seen all of them. Maybe one or two I haven't, but... Uh, they're all unique and charming and goofy and fun. Um, yeah, they do degrade in quality eventually, but also they're just so lighthearted and fun mm. that you can't really knock them for when they do degrade in quality because you still have some great, amazing stuff. Like uh, in the later movies, he hires a little Asian guy to mysteriously attack him at random points so that he can keep <laughs> his awareness up. Um uh, and that's pretty great. I remember a shot in the dark had a running joke of him getting arrested by, and like in the same police van every mm. time. I can't remember. I think that gag with him being attacked randomly, I can't remember. It's been a while, but I think there was a similar-esque gag in one of those kind of parody movies, whether it be like Kentucky Fried Movie or The Airplanes or something like that. There's one of these movies has this very similar gag going on, maybe Murder by Death, but... I've seen these. I saw these before the Steve Martin ones. Fun fact, haven't seen any of the Steve Martin ones. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. As much as I do love Steve Martin, I'm okay with it. (laughs) I am very much one of those people who, of the belief system of, if it's an iconic character performed by an individual and that individual can no longer perform that iconic character... Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a character that was created through the medium that we're watching it through. Like, okay, there's been many iconic Sherlock Holmes, so that's understandable because there's books and that kind of thing. Yeah, but he's like, public domain at this point, I think. But when it comes to, like, now we need a new Captain Kirk or now we need an, a CGI version of, of Peter Cushing in Star Wars, that's when I kind of draw the line and go, uh, okay, you can just let it go, you know? You can just... Well, right. Let it be and just sweep it under the rug. Like, yeah, Peter Sellers isn't around anymore, and there's no real point to have any other Clouseau because well, he is Ryan, Clouseau. You'll be very happy. There was a recent movie called The Lion King, and they got a returning actor in it. Oh, 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 Jeremy Irons. His name was James. James Irons. <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie is the beginning of what would become a comedy juggernaut machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Various feelings on this Pink Panther movie, but Bartek, yes. tell me how you felt rewatching it after this decade or so of having not seen it since that time ago. Yeah, I still like the film, but I think I might have liked it a bit more back then. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think the first half dragged a little bit, but I'm very happy with the second half. Oh yeah, yeah. The second <laughs> half is where things get interesting. Um, for me, the Pink Panther th- movies haven't they're not like my favorite comedy movies Uh, there's a lot of personal taste stuff for me when it comes to this movie and these type of movies for me i'm not a huge fan of the comedy movies the bigger comedy movies from the 60s and early 70s there are some obviously that i do like that hit a chord but for a lot of for the most part there's just certain things in there that I just don't vibe with very much. You're talking about in general. In general. In general. And yeah, the Pink Panther ones kind of stand out a bit more just because you have Peter Sellers just going off on an iconic journey. But (laughs) this first Pink Panther movie has a lot of issues I have with these 1960s comedy movies, especially the caper ones. Um, and then you have Peter Sellers standing out, and he stands out very much, and you can understand why they made a whole franchise around him and not David Niven, which is what they originally intended. That's what David it Niven like, yeah. was supposed to be the juggernaut here, but Peter Sellers just took the show, and by God, did he deserve to have the show and run with it, because it's a great performance. It's obviously been absorbed into pop culture, but still to see it is very enjoyable, especially this version of it, because this is a Clouseau, but not the Clouseau we properly know yet. He's a little bit more straight-laced. He comes across like he is more of a competent detective, yeah, inspector. Treated, and he's treated as the antagonist in this one. He has a wife. Yeah, um, yeah he has respect from fellow colleagues as well as just people like mm. it seems like um, i'm forgetting his colleague's name the one that's like his number two in this oh, movie be with s didn't it no i uh, can't remember but he said it so many times in yeah the he did scene. he did 
he respects him, even though he sees what an idiot he is. And it kind of gives you this idea that in this universe, all of the police may be a little bit idiotic or a little bit light on their feet, like the like the like the zebra drinking out of the punch bowl. <laughs> this kind of thing. On the other movies, it seems like Clouseau. For me, from my memory, it seems like Clouseau is the the idiot in the room, and everyone is kind of like ugh, that's, suffering. That's through. what I seem to remember from Shot in the Dark. Yeah, and that's fun, but it's unique to see this version of Clouseau in this type of universe. Is what I I'm getting at. Yeah. So, Bartek, what are some of the things that held up for you and didn't hold up for you in this watching of it? I guess in my memory of the film, I did remember, like, all of the core characters, like the thief, his nephew, the princess, and yeah. those kind of characters. But what I kept remembering was the, the hotel setting, yeah. and especially that one scene near the end, I think it was the last hotel scene, where people are just hiding in the room from yeah. each other. And I, I seem to recall that the whole film was, like, hijinks like that, but really it's just... You know, towards the end, as I said. Uh, yeah, that's half. more shot in the dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... The physical, like a lot of physical uh, location comedy, I guess you could call that. So that's what stood out for you, st still like stands the test of time on this watching of it? Oh, All the yes. physical comedy stuff? Yes, I love that scene completely. What other st things really kept accord with you on this rewatch and maybe even got better? from when you saw it the first time. I think because I've got a more critical mind, I could more appreciate Peter Sells' performances. Like, it wasn't all just lines or physicality. There was a good dynamic between both of them. Like, he makes his feelings known when he does something stupid, but he doesn't over-exaggerate it or anything like that. He just gives it a quick look and a concerned face and it's it's funny because you know what he's thinking without him having to exaggerate yeah and i think a part of it too is like i said the difference between this version of him and later versions like in later versions he has a much thicker french accent he's way more clumsy and i think part of the key in this version of it and maybe some of the early versions like shot in the dark and pink panther strikes back or something like that is he's aware that he's being dumb but he he tries to be professional about it. Like he tries to like brush it off. Like uh, that, well, yeah, that, even, yeah, that happened. He even throws I'm... in lines like when the milk is like this is all they have left. Yeah, yeah. It, he makes up all these little excuses or puts on these little facades of of, of being better than he is. Mm. Like every time he opens the door, it's like a whole saga of him. Oh yeah, that every door. time he tries to leave the room, <laughs> it's a saga. It's a saga now, and um, that's the kind of stuff I love too. I love that. Um, I only rewatched this earlier this year because I got the Pink Panther box set, mm -hmm. which doesn't include all of them because some of the movies were made by different studios. Um, and here's the thing. I tried to watch this yesterday on my desktop computer because my wife was busy in the lounge room and I had some time. And I put the disc in this brand new box set that I got earlier this year. I put the disc into my computer the computer took the disc in, doesn't register it, and now the disc drive won't open. So oh, I was yeah. really not happy having to watch <laughs> this again. Not only again this year, but also because now my computer doesn't work properly. And now I'm just looking at this box set knowing that one of the discs, the first one, is not in it. Mm. And my brain is going crazy. What I will say is things that still stand up for me upon rewatching it, not only just again this year, but many times, is, like you said, it's the it's the scenery of the hotel. I think you get a real good sense of where people's rooms are, how this hotel works, how they're going to milk it for hijinks, but also the skiing um, scenery, the, the snowy mountains and all that, that's used really well, too, for for, like, minor comedy hijinks, and not really with um, Clouseau. Clouseau doesn't really get in, get into skiing hijinks. It's no, all, he doesn't. It's all David Niven and um, his, his nephew, played by number two. Yes. <laughs> and it's weird to think that in this physical comedy slapstick, you know, wonderment that is the Pink Panther movies, Peter Sellers isn't doing any skiing hijinks nonsense. In fact, he is reacting to it when, like, he first meets the Phantom. He trips over him as yeah, he's just of, hurt his leg. Yeah, one of the wackiest things that happens is to the Phantom, where he gets hit by the, the skier, the, the Rob Wagner, right? Yeah. My favourite visual gag in the movie mm. is actually from David Niven, mm -hmm. and it involves snow. It's when David Niven, after the big hijinks of the bedroom and everyone trying to hide, 
he falls over <laughs> the balcony and goes into like the big thing of snow and then you have all these people like being all high regal and being like oh, yeah, this was the stock market blah. and then just David Niven very dapper very David Niven very mm-hmm, just casually breaks out of the snow and just keeps walking like nothing's happened here and then like no explanation and the absurdity of that he just makes it comment like it's cold or something right and Peter Sellers, I don't think, could have nailed that in the same way because David Niven is so straight-laced. Mm. And he has this physicality to him. He's got he's very thin and he has a, he 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 looks exactly like that cartoon character from The Simpsons, the English guy in the sugar. That's what I th- <laughs> oh no! I was thinking there was a cat, cat burglar in one of the. Simpsons oh yeah, that's episodes. that's what that episode of The Simpsons is referencing. But I also yeah. thought of the. One where Homer has the big mound of sugar and he pulls out the English guy out of it. He's like, where did you get the sugar for that tea? I nicked it for that split second that you let your guard down. And I'll do it again. Bye. And he just walks away. He is such a cartoon of what a British person is. (laughs) Yes. That he is perfect in that scene in which he falls into the snow. The physical comedy still holds up. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the reasons, I, I, I imagine you looked at some of the behind the scenes is because Blake Edwards had a million cameras all over the place just capturing different improvisations and different angles for these things. So the physical comedy works brilliantly because we get these nice wide shots mm. in which we can see it on the screen. You don't have just intense close-ups and multiple cuts implying that a physical gag has just happened in like a lot of comedy movies now. Yeah, there are a lot of single shots, in fact. And it's wonderful. Mm. The physical comedy still holds up. Everyone does a good job with the physical comedy. Not just Peter Sellers, but like I said, David Niven. Um, number two does a good job. I'm not going to call him his real name. It's funny to think of number two as a nephew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's weird to think that number one was Peter uh, Peter Sellers. Um <laughs> Because it's not David Niven, it's Peter Sellers. He's number one in all things. Um, what about this movie, Bartek, doesn't hold up for you? I feel like in the first half, there's just a lot of scenes of introducing characters and you do get an understanding of who they are, but there isn't as much, I feel, comedy going on there. And also, once you meet Peter Sellers, you do kind of want him to be in more scenes, and they yeah. kind of use him sparingly throughout the first half. I agree. One of the things I thought of, actually, that I I, I don't know how you would change this ne- necessarily, and it does, isn't really a huge issue, but it would add a little bit. Um, we get introduced to Robert Wagner, number two, and we get introduced to him and America being chased by gangsters and that. I think it undercuts the 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 joyous surprise that he is just like his uncle later in the movie because we the audience already know. Yeah, that's true. But throughout the whole movie, he's kind of playing it like he is just some guy who is just wrapped up in the hijinks, and I think that maybe you could have worked around that and trimmed a little bit of fat there. And it does feel very much like we're introducing this location, this location, this location. Yeah. It might have been a bit more of a joy to have his origin of him being kind of scummy like his uncle to be a bit more hidden from the audience yeah. so that when David Niven and the rest of them discover he is just like David Niven, we get that sense of, ah, too, because he's kind of being played as just some guy that has been drawn into this whole affair. Yeah. And he's kind of naive, and he's kind of wide-eyed, and he's like, golly gee. And that would have been neat to have the twist at the end that he's trying to steal the Pink Panther. It would have been an obvious thing, but it, it would have trimmed some fat, and it would have made things flow a little better, I think. Yeah. I think... That would have helped. And I agree. I think the first half's a little slow. I think the unfortunate thing is we all have this thing too where we are speaking retroactively. Back then, they didn't know that Peter Sellers was going to be this amazing revelation in the way that we do now. So when we watch it thinking, oh, it's a Pink Panther movie. That's a Clouseau movie. And you're surprised it's actually not. It's a David Niven movie. As a David Niven movie, this works really well. I've seen a few David Niven movies, and he does a great job. I was actually really appreciating his performance this time watching it, because he's doing all these unique little twists and turns, and he's playing it just straight enough. My big criticism of David Niven, though, Bartek, Mm -hmm. 
doesn't get enough scenes with Peter Sellers. Mm, that's true. I would have liked a little bit more sparring between them and not like just near the end but when Peter Sellers doesn't know we only really get like one major scene in which they're both sitting next to each other talking and right after the musical sequence yeah and it just feels like this is what I want more of more of a cat and mouse game between him and Clouseau but also you need to still have it be a love story for him and the princess because David Niven's just that charming. That's the thing that's really weak for me. I don't know about you, but the romance that's at the center of this mm. just doesn't... I don't buy it. A lot of people, yeah, interested in each other in this film. I mean, David Niven's charming. He's 100% a charming guy. I think it says I don't like the princess as a character. I don't care for her. Unfortunately, her performance is tarnished because it's an overdubbed performance. Mm. And you can tell. Um, they didn't dub the tiger. They didn't dub the, dub the tiger, but there's a dissonance there. And the princess is boring. I don't know how you felt, but there's a bit in which the princess is moaning on about how the her people want the Pink Panther so that they can finance their government or whatever. Yeah. And she's like moaning on about how unfair that is. And I'm like, I... Fuck you, princess. I was just thinking, eat the rich. Like, I don't like her. Like, that moment, it was supposed to be like, God, oh, don't you feel sorry that they're taking her precious jewel that her daddy gave her at the beginning? And I'm like, her dad seemed like an asshole too. They seem... I understand why their government wants to overthrow them, and I know nothing about how they rule. I just know... Like, I agreed. I we was... just know that the newspaper called them rebels, so it's like they're rebelling against her because they feel something's wrong with her. And so... I agree. I instantly agree, but she was just like, they just want my diamond, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they want to stop starving to death, probably. Yeah, it was very personal rather than, like, <laughs> for my people, I want to keep this. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't like her. So the romance I didn't care for because I'm, I like David Niven. I liked him and Madame Clouseau. I like their chemistry more than I like the princess and him. I don't know how you felt about the central romance at the heart of this film, but I don't know. But that's just how I felt. Uh, yeah, I, f- I felt like the princess was all over the place too. Like every scene was like, oh, I did this because I felt this, but I feel this, but not really. No, 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 champagne. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I just did not care for her too much. Well, I found Ryan, her she said, a bit bland. She said smoking's a dirty hobby, and in the next scene, she smokes. She smokes. So, dirty, dirty woman. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't smoke. <laughs> he does drink, though. <laughs> um, Yeah, the central romance doesn't work for me. But I still like this film. There are f- some major issues I have with it. And it, for me, definitely isn't the strongest in the Pink Panther catalogue. But it's a good starting off point. Mm. And that's the good thing about it. Sometimes, when you see these iconic characters and see their first film, that's the best one. And then you see they kind of wibble wobble through. Sometimes it's better that you have a fairly good film and then the rest of them improve upon this. And I think that's kind of what they do. Even though some of them do degrade near the end, I think Shot in the Dark, and I, I like Pink Panther Strikes Back, or Strikes Again, I can't remember, but like the one where his boss goes crazy mm. and becomes a supervillain with a laser. Um, that kind of stuff I, I enjoy. This is a good starting off. You see the layering of what they will go on to do, like the whole caper at the end where the two of them are dressed up as gorillas and they're mirroring each other, and that's all fun and good. Um, I would still say this is a great film. Mm-hmm. I agree. Any other issues you have with this? Uh, well, the the general issue I brought up with the whole first half, just the little things there that don't don't quite appeal, aren't as funny, drag on a bit. That's that's really the main thing. I, I did mention there was a musical sequence in the film. That is the worst aspect of this movie. There's a random song in it. And here's the thing. That's what I don't... That's one of the big issues I have with 1960s era big comedies, is mm. the musical numbers are really annoying for me a lot of the time. And I'm a big fan of earlier years of comedies that have musical numbers in them. The 1940s, like I like the Bob Hope Road 2 movies. The difference is, in those movies, a good portion of the time, the character singing is a character in the plot. Yeah, like Bob Hope in uh, Paleface. Yeah, and even in Paleface, there's a second song in that movie sung by... 
just a woman who kind of appears so that you have a comedy set piece, but you get an understanding that she's a character and a character via her song and what she does in the plot. This woman in this movie is just there so that maybe too that this song could be a chart topper as well. Who knows? Like it just mm. felt like, or it felt like how we talked about on the adventures of Robo Rex. It felt like the producer had like a niece or nephew or someone that they wanted to sell as a musician and, and they shoved them the into <laughs> this movie. The song doesn't even match. It doesn't even match the tone of the, like the movie. It doesn't, it's not a funny song. And it's not a good song either. That's like the big thing. If it was good, then maybe I could give it a break. I, I didn't hate it, but it was really out of nowhere. I, I didn't hate the song necessarily. I just hated it for ruining the pace of the movie. Yeah, that's that's what I feel as well. The movie's too long. It's nearly two hours long. I think you could trim ten minutes from this movie and it'd be perfect. And that five-minute song there can be definitely cut out. <laughs> and maybe rework Robert Wagner's introduction and maybe cut down on some of the princess scenes just a tad, not remove them, just trim them down down Mm. a little, pacing them a bit stronger. And I think this movie would stand out up a little better for me. I agree with that, actually. That's a really good, really good idea. Those are my major issues with this. Other than that, it's a great film. The rest of it flows nicely. The caper itself, the the intricate dynamics between all the players involved and who's on whose side and who's almost about to get caught and who's really in charge of the situation. All of that works wonderfully. In fact, it works so well that I can never imagine them doing a movie like this in a comedy setting for realsies again. Because there's so many random little moving parts and it's slow paced, but I just can't imagine them doing this in this way again. <laughs> yeah, there are just some movies that from that are older that you just can't see being remade uh, or, or or matched. I guess would be the yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This this is an interesting uh, look back in time. Although I'm not a huge fan of the 60s era comedies, this does still have just great physical comedy that's going to be timeless and will age well. And just yeah, even David Niven's one-liners and jabs and whatnot are still great because he performs them so well mm. that you can't imagine anyone else doing it, except for maybe Michael Caine. But <laughs> We did watch Dirty Rotten Scandals not too long before doing this episode. Um, Bartek, what was... Somebody, what are some of your favorite comedy moments from this comedy movie? Um, well, like I said, my number one is that that room scene where everyone's just hiding and Clouseau's completely clueless. Um, but I really something about the scene where they're driving and that one random pedestrian's just watching everything happen really gets me. It's great. It's, it's this is old Italian guy. He's like leaving a shop. He just closed or something. Yeah, and he, he never he, says a word. He grabs a chair. <laughs> <laughs> he's he he's great. I love that scene. I love that this intense car chase scene. We're not seeing it. Well, we're seeing we're barely it, we're focusing on him. Not we're seeing the it from cars. we're seeing from one perspective and not the rest. And that's great. Like yeah. you hear all this stuff. I love when um when number two and. Uh, and David Niven pull up next to each other to discuss where they're going, and he's just standing in the, <laughs> the center, like and they're not exist. acknowledging him. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite physical com- or comedy set pieces is when, um, at the end at the at her mansion, mm-hmm. Peter Sellers has the firework, <laughs> and they light it, and it starts exploding. He's like, "What kind of candle is this?" <laughs> like he's just so like confused, <laughs> and the whole hoopla about the two gorillas matching each other and it's like one of them's like the ambassador ambassador cravenwood yeah and who comes across really serious when we first meet him like they when he gets unmasked and then for the rest of the movie he's like a different <laughs> character wacky flamboyant man who wants to dance with whoever he finds yeah and it's weird and i love it <laughs> i love that whole sequence where just don't unmask him and he's fine the mirroring of them trying to rob the pink panther from the vault and 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 Peter Sellers trying to get romantic with his wife, and she's like, "Enough of that!" and like closes his thing on his knight's outfit. Like, I love his wife mm. and how much disdain she has for him, 
and how really the only time she actually gets romantic with him is as a distraction tactic so that people can leave. Mm. I love that. I love their relationship and how broken it is. I think one of the great things, too, that works about the movie is Clouseau is so, like, on the ball as well. Like, he is so close to figuring out who the Phantom is. And you genuinely hope that he does. And when he does, it's great. You're like, yes, yes. Mm. And when he's on the hunt for the Phantom, you're like, get him, get him. But you know he's not because David Niven's just that smart and that charming and clever and ah oh, there's so many great wonderful things in this movie and peter sellers is at the heart of them all in in the part within the scene that i really like where he's he's lured away to like 30 miles away and he comes back and he's like that phone call was a ruse it's like, <laughs> oh he's smart he is and then smart. he trips over a potted plant and freaks that out he didn't <laughs> see was there because he wasn't there before i thought you sent it Oh, why would I send you flowers? And he's got good, like, things. He's like, there was no card, huh? What could this mean? Now, there was a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes things. I don't know if you read into any of it. I read some of the trivia on IMDb. About how Robert Wagner went blind yeah. for, like, four weeks because yeah. he was in that bathtub. Yeah, that was... Can you imagine going blind for the fucking Pink Panther? Yeah, that's... I mean, I know he has an eye patch in Austin Powers films, but... <laughs> It's not because he was in Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I love that. I because uh, he has an eye patch at one. I assume it's because Pink Panther blinded him forever. No, um, no, he was too busy murdering Natalie Wood. So I know he had both eyes in Two and a Half Men. <laughs> was he in Two and a Half Men? Yeah, he was the main guy's mother's boyfriend or something. You mean Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen's mum's boyfriend, I think. Wow, you're dropping bombshells on me. Well, I just remember watching that episode and I'm like, hey, that's number two. Hey, it's number two. It's something else I know him in now. Still alive. Oh, he's been in a bunch. Mm. The old wag dog, I call him. Um, what, what are some of the things in this? What are some other comedy bits that really tickled your funny bone? One line that I liked for the delivery was... um. It was after after Clouseau discovers that Charles is the the Phantom. He and his assistant go to the princess's house and like they greet her, um, and he says something like, "Oh, it's it's nice for you to meet to meet you," and he and his partner was like, uh, "We've already met." He's like, "Yes, but now we're meeting her again." <laughs> that line really got me. <laughs> <laughs> like he realized he said something dumb and he tried to save it yeah and he failed um i think one of the other things about this movie that i find interesting is the fact that like david niven being the man's man that he was was actually the one skiing for the most part like his own skiing stunts and oh, okay. like of course of course he knew how to ski look at him of course he knew did you read the great behind-the-scenes aspect of him and Frostbite? Oh, yes, his his testicles, right? His genitals got some minor Frostbite, and his logical thought being the the gentleman he was... was alcohol thinking, warms you up. Alcohol warms you up. I'll dunk my genitals into a tumbler of bourbon, and it the pain was quite excruciating, but it was worth it in the end. And I'm just like, of course, <laughs> of course you did this, David. He's the real-life Clouseau. Can I tell you a really sad story about David Niven? I'll go ahead. I went down a rabbit hole of looking at David Niven because recently, like you said, we watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and that's a pretty much a word-for-word remake of a David Niven movie, Bedtime Story. Oh, he's in that? David Niven. In Bedtime Story? Yes, he's the Michael Caine character. Oh, there you go. So, uh, uh, David Niven's sad life. He, uh, he was pretty adventurous. He was a man's man. He was pretty much what you saw. Um, but not a thief, I guess. But he had a wife that, um, died when they were freshly married, like in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And she was like 28. And she died when they were at a f- another actor's house. I can't remember which actor it was. They were all playing hide and seek in his mansion. Ooh, yeah. And and she opened a door thinking it was a closet and ran in. But it was actually stairs to the basement. And she tripped down them and died the next day. And another another actor that was good friends with David Niven had like this soliloquy response of like, "There's nothing more 
Like, basically, there's nothing more tragic and pointless than dying playing hide-and-seek in some actor's house. It's one of the most tragic things I've ever heard of. And it's just, like, far out. And it's like, David Niven, if you ever brought her up, would just cry. And I'm like, oh, jeez, David. What a sad story. So when I watched this, I was just like... Poor David Nevin. He must have been having a nightmare doing these scenes where he had to play yes, hide and hide seek. And but he, he won, yeah. Hide and seek's brutal. That's how I got the scar on my forehead. Really? Yeah. What did you do? So I was going to leave a room. Like, the guy was counting. I was going to run out of the room and go How old were you? I think eight or nine. Okay, I like how you say this guy was an adult. No, he was a few years older than me. Okay. Like, family friend. Um... And yeah, I was going to just immediately turn around, run away, and hide somewhere. But as I turn around, I hit, I hit like the corner of the door. And I hit it really hard, not expecting it. And that's how I got my scar on my forehead. Oh, I have not got any terrible stories of playing hide-and-seek. I was just good at it. Mm. I liked... I so liked... you played it wrong. I played it like a fucking idiot. I didn't die or it's get a scarred. Death, it's a death game. Well, isn't that a new horror movie that's out this year called Ready or Not? Where the whole premise is she has to hide from this family who want to murder her. It's like a deadly game of hide and seek. In that case, it's a completely logical film. It's Hugo Weaving's niece. The horror is not supernatural. It's not psychological. It's just literal. If I showed you a photo of this actress, she looks. you'll be like, oh, so it's Margot Robbie. And I'm like, no, it's a different blonde-haired Australian actress. (laughs) But that's, that's a review for another time. Next week. Next week, we're doing Ready or Not? No way. Um, it's still out, so... Okay. You've ruled out one film only, from what you can be thinking. The only movie so. we were going to s- review this year that was going to be out in cinemas together, fresh... Oh, Sonic. ...was Sonic. Yeah. And now I've seen the new trailer, and he looks good, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> the only draw was I knew it was going to be terrible, but I was at least wanting to see on the big screen that nightmare creature. But now that we're not getting that, I have no interest <laughs> No, interest. I'll just watch Hop again. It looks exactly like Hop. It's even got James Marsden in it. I haven't seen Hop. I'm missing it. Russell Brand is the Easter Bunny's son. You're missing out. Oh, he's in it. Then it must be good. He's the voice of the rabbit, so he's not physically in it. He's a voice of a CGI rabbit. Well, the voice rabbit. has to come out of the rabbit, so I assume he has to be in it. Yeah, you're right. It's a motion capture performance. <laughs> um, it's by Illumination. Uh, any other things you want to discuss about this movie? Maybe we should talk about the end. Mm. How do you feel about the end? And also the end and how you know that there are more movies? Yeah. Um. So the film ends with Clouseau getting framed as being the Phantom with circumstantial evidence, but as a comedy film, it works. Yeah, uh, I want to see like Legal Eagle cover this and he'd be <laughs> like, Objection! There's actually a really obscure law back in the 60s that makes this possible. Yeah, 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 exactly right. <laughs> like what he did with the South Park episode. Um, yeah, yeah, he... he Called get- the Ace Attorney Law. <laughs> yeah, he gets arrested and it, it, it feels a bit odd considering that for most of the film the villains have sort of been one-upping him, so uh, it, it, it feels a bit unbalanced, but they do, like, I guess, soften it a bit by saying, oh, well, we're going to continue robbing, and he'll be let out soon anyway, so he, it won't be, yeah. like, years for him. Yeah, and at the end, he's... Peter Sellers, you know, Clouseau, he's getting kind of, like, attention, and he's kind yeah. of like... <laughs> yeah, he accepts it. It wasn't like, easy. Yeah, he, he, he gets a power trip on it. Of being the Phantom, even though he knows it isn't him. I like that whole scene when he visits them in prison or in the jail and he sticks his hands in their porridge and it's just so embarrassing. I really like the ending, I do. And I could see, you know, for them not knowing that they would go on to make more movies, Mm. how this is a really great ending. And of course it still opens up for those other movies, like you said. They're going to keep robbing things and making it obvious that it isn't him. But also it's a really good conclusion. (laughs) To that character of Clouseau in this movie, in this movie, in like this version of Clouseau, I really liked the dynamic of having his wife be a part of the Phantom's whole deal. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting touch to add to this movie. It makes her an interesting character. She's not just like the the lady in the movie, like the princesses. 
you actually have a female character that's actually important and drives the plot and that's kind of like she's like playing all sides playing all sides and it has her own agency and is really smart that's kind of fun um <laughs> his violin <laughs> <laughs> i think it was a fiddle it was a violin didn't someone call it a fiddle at one point yeah, but he called it a Stratocaster violin or whatever. Okay. It's a reference to Sherlock Holmes. Take it for what it is. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> yeah, how terrible he was and how David Niven had to, like, sh- swallow back just verbalizing how bad it was. Like, you could see his gentlemanly refined taste just, just trying to jump out of his throat to vocalize <laughs> something about how terrible it is. But he, he had to stop. I like it when he played it the second time. It's like, ah, oh, better than ever. Yeah, that's, that, that's <laughs> the scene. That's when he gets it fixed. And that's David Niven just cuts to his face and he's just like just trying to push down his emotions and the want to just scream out how bad it was. When I think back on this film, I always do think of him in bed playing the violin. And I think that's on some of the posters too, so it's iconic. Can we talk about one side character I really loved? Do you yes. want to guess? It was a it... little character, like only has a few scenes. Was it? Oh, I was going to guess Angela. Is that the woman who hosts the party? Yeah. Yes. The, one, the one who was like, oh, your majesty. I love her. I thought you would, yeah. She <laughs> is great. She's exactly what you need in this type of movie. Like, this is this is one of these things that dates it. Like, that kind of character is very much of these eras of movies. Like but at the same time... socialite. Yeah. Oh, my. They wear the glass. You know, they have that whole outfit and hairdo like she does. It's very much like... I love her. It's, an, it's one of these little things when we watch something like uh, Down With Love and they have characters like her in Down With Love, you're like, they're nailing this. Hmm. It's these, these little touches. Even though I'm not a huge fan of this era of comedy movies, there are these little characters like that that you just go, mmm, delicious. Uh, anything else we want to discuss about The Pink Panther? No, I think I think I picked a film that's easy to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a good film. Are you now going to go down the road of watching more? I definitely like to because I really in, I really remember enjoying a shot in the dark. You strike while the iron's hot, Bartek. Yeah, while I was fresh. I've always thought in my mind like I really like Peter Sellers, but then I looked up his, his filmography a few hours ago, and I've only seen three films he's been in. What ones? This one, Shot in the Dark, and Doctor Strangelove. Ah. <sighs> Where he plays three characters. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. That's also... He was an arsehole, but he was great. Yeah, that's also another one that I've only seen once, like, a decade ago, and I want to revisit. I've what? got the DVD. Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. Yeah, it's my favourite Kubrick. I've watched it many times. Mm, I want to see it again. Um, Yeah, I've seen many of his movies. In the earlier parts of his career, He, him and Alec Guinness were very competitive. Cause people forget Alec Guinness was a comedy actor, or at least did a lot of comedies and movies. I didn't know. And yeah. they would both be very similar-esque type competing like earlier on Peter Sellers wasn't as absurd he would play kind of more middle class British people mm. who were just kind of like hangdog expression like oh boy would you have put Peter Sellers into Star Wars he would actually be really good <laughs> like if you didn't have Alec Guinness he would have done pretty good because he was a good dramatic actor as well as we discussed uh, uh, when we weren't recording the other day about how his film being there and how he should have gotten an Oscar for it, but they included outtakes at the end of the movie because people wanted to see funny stuff. Mm. And it's Peter Sellers. You know a movie you would love? Yeah. I mean, I would say you'd very much have inspired some of stuff from Mr. Bean or stuff like that. There's two movies. I that, could believe that for sure. Uh, there's two movies actually that I would point to that inspired Mr. Bean. One with Jerry Lewis. I can't remember what it's called. It's like The Bell Hop or something like that. Mm. It's pretty much a silent movie, but it's got sound in it. But The Party with Peter Sellers. It doesn't age well because Peter Sellers is playing an Indian character. Okay, yeah. But the movie is just him attending this party and crazy nonsense, like physical comedy, slapstick, all the thing. There's one phrase that's used in it very much, which is he's he's got like a buzzer and there's a voice coming on the other end of it and it's a parrot. And it's saying num num, like it wants some num num, some, some food. Right. And him with his thick Indian accent in the movie when he meets the parrot, he wants to feed it so he can get something. It's like, mm, buddy num num, buddy num num. And it's great. <laughs> There's a whole sequence in which he loses one shoe down like this stream of water that's in the house. And he's just chasing after his own shoe. And it's pathetic. You would love it. You would also love, I think when we were at university, 
We had a teacher, Liam. Yeah. Well, we had him on the podcast. We had him on the podcast. He at least shown in a lesson I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene from the very beginning in which Peter Sell's character, he's an extra in a big movie and he's like blowing on this trumpet to like you know, retreat or whatever, and he's being shot a million times, and he pr- and then he dies, and then he gets back up to give another toot of the horn, and he just keeps going on and on like this, and the director has to be like, cut! What are you doing? You're dead! <laughs> he just <laughs> refuses to die, because he wants to be milking all the attention. One day we'll do that movie, perhaps. We'll check it out in your own time. Mm-hmm. All right, Bartek, I would say we covered Pink Panther pretty well. Oh, Before we even finish, we've got to talk about the theme song. And the intro with the cartoon. You mentioned that you've seen the cartoon before. Yeah, long, long time ago. I can barely remember anything about it. I remember the theme song. How do you feel about the theme song? Has it? Does it still hold a candle for you? Or do you think that it's been blown out, that candle, because it's been absorbed so heavily into the pop culture world in which it's just kind of annoying? No, I, th- I think it still holds up. And especially with like the visuals and the tone of the film, it does have a lot of sort of spy tone to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I still <laughs> like it. I still like it. I still think it's great. I think the cartoon had a, th- a different theme song that had lyrics. So that's what I meant when I first said theme song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I was... I don't remember the Pink Panther being, like, the butt of a lot of jokes in it. Like, in, in the film, when they showed him, he's, like, getting run over, he's getting threatened with a gun. I thought it was a bit more of a sly character, but I guess this is early days. He does a bit of both. Yeah. Because he's a bit sly in this. He's mm. a bit, like, naughty. Rearranging, having to rearrange letters because he didn't put them up correctly <laughs> of the director. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Theme song, good. We did it. We yeah. covered the Pink Panther. Yes. I'm going to put us into the plug zone, mm-hmm. the area in which I put a zone for a plug to be in of some fellow podcasters who have luckily been able to give us a promo for their show. Mm-hmm. If you're a podcaster and you have a promo for your show and you want to put it on our show, you can contact us, email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com. Well, Bartek... You ready to get plugged into the zone? I've got my plug part that you plug in ready. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%? Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitch at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Man, now we take Bartek's plug part out. Well, the plug in my part. It was in his spine. That's what the surgery was for. (laughs) Uh, They had to recharge it. Now, Bartek, we covered the Pink Panther your suggestion. Yes, and this was the last episode of Spit and Pause. Thank you very, very much for everyone for listening. We're done. <laughs> it's my turn, yeah? Yeah. Am I correct? Yes. I am correct. Well, you're Ryan, but you're also right. For our next episode, we may have some guests. We may not. I don't know. I don't want to properly confirm it. I, I, I will say there's a possibility of guests, but until the episode comes out, that's when you'll know mm-hmm. that the guests did come on. But we may or may not have some guests for a movie that and I thought of this movie, I booked this movie ahead of time, but I haven't talked about Bartek. So Bartek, I didn't mean this to be a one-upmanship of me choosing a movie that's the oldest we've covered on the show. That's fine. I didn't even think when I picked mine. It's a 1948 movie. Mm-hmm. We mentioned it already. Yeah, I was thinking, isn't that film from 1948? The Pale Face. Hmm. With Bob was it Hope. The, the Pale Face? It is The Pale Face. Okay, okay. 
which we'll get into on the episode when we record it, because I hate the title with the in it. I just call it Pale Face. I think it rolls nice for off some the tongue. Re- for some reason, I thought it was Old Pale Face. No. My mistake. Um, Pale Face Warrior. Um, the Pale Face, 1948, with Bob Hope and Jane Russell. Mm-hmm. We're covering that next episode. It shall be a rip-roaring time. Make sure to check that movie out if you haven't, because we're going to be discussing it in depth and possibly with some guests. Now, Bartek, yes. where can people uh, find us? On the internet. There you go. Type Spin Polish Presents and you'll find us on all the type platforms for the podcasting variety. Type Top 10 Polish Podcasts, you'll find us on You'll the find t- us. We're number five or four or something. We're in the middle somewhere, yeah. We're pretty high up. Because Bartek occasionally uses Polish phrases, and that's enough to yeah. warrant it. <laughs> in the old show. Well, well I said in one this of, one, you what, did. Yeah, what did I say? That's right. Yeah, to prawda. Was it? To prawda. Yep. It sounds like you're ready to host a Top Gear show. Yes, to prawda. To prawda, yeah. Um, so we are, yeah, on any podcatcher available Review us, rate us on whatever podcast platform allows it. It really helps with the show, helps boost us around. It's also just ego-pleasing. It just pleases my ego. And Bartek's as well, but less so. Because Bartek, he has no pride. I'm too id. I mean, if you saw him right now, you could tell that's a man who has no pride in himself. And pride's a sin. <laughs> that's my line. I always <laughs> use that. When, everyone, when anyone says that they're proud, I, go, I always remind them... Well, pride's a sin. Are you envious of the fact that I said it? Lost's a sin. So, <laughs> that's about it. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter. Just type in Spit and Polish Presents and you shall find us. Like I said, our email is spitandpolished at gmail.com. Email us with any of your thoughts about what we've discussed in any of the episodes, recommendations for future movies for us to cover. They all go on the list. Or threats. I always like a death threat. Until next time, listening people, remember that, um, you know, you should be kind to each other or I will have to make an elaborate heist plan in which I'm playing myself. And I go to a ski lodge when you're there, and I try and seduce you with champagne, but my nephew Robert Wagner's there, as is my arch nemesis Inspector Clouseau, and I can ski. But and it's going to be a crazy time. But do you like hide and seek? I don't know, my wife died playing <laughs> it, and I'm really sad about it, but I will do it for a movie. <laughs> right, let's go break some commandments. 